friends, and welcome back to another episode of Hello Halloy. I have a guest again, and it's not Juno. Uh, my friend Connor is also a podcast uh, creator, host, and he hosts a show called The New Sincerest. And do you want to tell everyone what it's about? I, I won't steal the show. Go ahead and tell them about your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for me, music is all about the feeling and the new Sincerist, which is my show that I host um, on radio at the university where I go to and as a podcast on Spotify, um, which airs on Mondays, brings you everything from Dream Pop, Electronica, R&B and more with the most sincerity you'll hear on air. So I really like dive into the history of like the artists that I'm presenting I like to discuss kind of the themes and the emotions that are central to the music and how they're using their instrumentals to evoke those emotions in their music. So I'm basically just a big hearted softy who likes talking about music as much as I can. No, but we love that. Okay. And uh, forgive me, I'm fake because I don't listen every week, but I will say this, the times that I have listened, I have downloaded a couple new songs to my library. I've been like, okay, save this because he'll, Connor will go through artists like Tinashe and it'll be like a song I haven't thought of to listen by, to by her. And I love Tinashe. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard this song on her album. Okay. Download. <laughs> or like, uh, there was like one Daft Punk, Punk song I was listening to and I was like, oh my God, I've never, you know, you hear like the mainstream songs by these artists and you never think to go any deeper. Um, so it's a pretty cool show to listen to and it's great for if you want to find new music. So yeah, yeah, I definitely like to, I mean, of course there's some mainstream people that pop up on my um, show and like I, I am mostly focused on indie music and sometimes those indie artists have like some crossover appeal that most people know about um, like you know Lana Del Rey is somebody who I would consider both indie and mainstream at this point she's popular enough that she's got a lot of attention but isn't you know like the top of the charts with a song um, mm -hmm. but I do like to dig a little deeper into lesser known artists too so there's always going to be something new and maybe something a little familiar on the show yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely, I would say 100%, please give it a listen. I'm a supporter. We stand. Um, but I was going to say, I have Connor here because he is a content creator and I create content too. Obviously, this is technically content that we're making. So we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about um, how we think our topic, our segment for today is going to be how society kills creati creativity and how to combat it, right? And as always, I'm going to break this up into little subpoints and subcategories, and we're going to talk on each uh, point and how we relate to it as creative people. Um, so my first point for today is going to be, you know, our whole lives, I feel like we're taught how to follow and not really how to lead. Like if you think about it, so we're both school teachers too, I should say. And like, mm -hmm. if you just look at the Americans, at really any school system, you know, there is the teacher who, who the teachers who are the leaders of the classroom, right? All the students follow the leaders. And you know, um, from systems such as school, and then when we become adults in the workforce, we're told and taught what to do. Uh, like if you go to work at a job, like my first job was, oh God, I think it, 
it wasn't retail. It was fast food. Right. And like, I was working in a, like a line making sandwiches and I was told how to make the sandwiches. And it's like, not really think for yourself. It's like, here's the system, Mm -hmm. here's how to do it. And it's the same thing with school. You know, you go to school and it's like, okay, here's the activity we're doing today. Do exactly what I tell you to do and what every other student is doing for like, you know, a writing activity for kids or like for me with music, I'm teaching the kids how to play a certain way on their instrument. Um, And while it's important to, you know, um, have the setting of learning how to do things properly, it's also important to teach free thinking to kids and that, you know, not everything has to be uniform because there are multiple ways to do something correctly. And what are your thoughts on this, Connor? Yeah. So I've actually been thinking about this a lot um, recently. So just like a little background on my experience, I have a bachelor's degree in English and literary analysis, a master's in English and creative writing, and I'm currently pursuing my master of fine arts in creative writing. Um, So kind of just digging deeper and deeper into the creative writing aspect. And um, as a as I'm a graduate student, I'm also teaching an introductory college composition course. And something that I have been thinking about a lot with what you're talking about with the kind of like, you know, we're, we're teaching people how to do this thing, but that's often very limiting because we're often like, here's the rubric. Here's what exactly you need to include in this paper. This is the checklist that you need to use. But we shouldn't just be teaching people how to follow the rules, we should be like, here are the rules to this, you know, like subject or this medium or this genre. Now that you know the rules, how are you going to break them? Um, Because I think that how you break the rules is where a lot of that like creativity and self-expression comes from. Like if everybody just wrote the exact same way when they wrote an academic paper, all academic papers would look exactly the same. If every person just used the exact same template to write a song, we would only have songs that are three minutes and 30 seconds long that sound exactly the same. So while I, you know, think that it is important to teach the rules, I do agree with you that there's a limitation on expression when we focus only on those rules. Yeah, no, for sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. I And like, there are some teachers in some classes you'll come across in life where the teacher understands that. And so they give assignments like, oh, pick your project to like, you know, when we had those present a project to the class and it was whatever topic you wanted to do. Um, So like little things like that happened. But for the most part, it's really tricky because our whole lives, we are told how to follow a system. And it's very difficult to, you know, we want strong leaders too. And it's very difficult to create a strong leader when they're put into these systems where they are told to follow. Um, Mm -hmm. So I 100% agree with what you're saying. And it, it is important to kind of teach kids, like, yes, teach them the rules, but also be like, hey, you can break away from the rules once in a while. Um, Absolutely. And I think too, yeah, I think the only thing that I wanted to add to that is that like, it's possible to follow the rules and also break them. Like you don't need to like completely like demolish everything that you learned and like, don't take anything from that. There are ways that you can intersect like those rules with kind of experimentation and self-expression. So there's a good like middle ground that you can find. 
Yes. No, we're not saying anarchy and go overthrow the government or the school systems. We're not saying that. Don't take away. Don't let that be the takeaway. So <laughs> um, I agree with that. Uh, that key balance, balance is the key word. So, um, so my second point kind of touching on this topic is going to be, you know, society systems kill creativity, not just creativity, but really individuality when you think about it. You know, since we're always being told what to do, we leave that little space to allow people to really think for themselves. And, you know, I notice this because oftentimes I hear people, kids ranging from kids to adults, you know, saying things like, I can't dance or, oh, I can't really draw. But the truth is they just lack the ability to freely express themselves. Because when you think about it, everyone has the ability to dance, right? It You may not mm -hmm. think you're dancing well, but it's so subjective, the idea of can you dance or not, you know? It just depends on the individual. And really, as long as you're feeling a rhythm, going along to a rhythm, you are dancing. Um you know, and this is because from a young age, we're not really encouraged to be individuals. We're encouraged to work as a unit in society. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I think the other thing that kind of ties into that, um, we're expected to work as like a unit. And I, I hate to bring up this topic on the podcast, but I'm just going to like capitalism is often a lot of the reason for that, especially when it comes to the arts. Like I'm somebody who, as I mentioned before, I'm a creative writer, um, but I've also, you know, performed in, you know, music environments and I've acted before. This was like, you know, majority of which in high school, but um, like growing up and being a kid who was interested in the arts, most often when like the question of talent was brought up, it was like, oh my gosh, like you're so talented, but like, how are you going to make money off of that? Right. And so it's less about the expression or the actual act of creativity. It's about how you can profit off of that. And so people are either going to be like, you know, like, oh, well, you can't dance well. It's not I, you can't dance, period. It's you can't dance well and therefore you shouldn't dance. And when we put those like quali qualifications and kind of like assessments on people expressing themselves, that makes them not want to do it because they're worried that they're going to be judged. And so if there was a way to allow people to individually express themselves and find ways to express themselves that don't necessarily rely on being in a unit and remove that kind of judgment away from it, I think that more people would be willing to be creative. Like, um, is, is it okay if I, if I pull in a, an article here? Yeah. So there was a New, York a New Yorker article um, called The Death of the English Major, which was released uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was talking about how uh, chat GPT and AI systems are making it more difficult to like recruit people into being like in the humanities, specifically in English programs. And in this article, they interviewed a bunch of STEM majors, um, a lot of like science majors, uh, like math majors, things like that. And quite a few of them said something along the lines of like, if I felt like I could make money off of a creative pursuit, I probably would have majored in a creative major instead of a STEM major because they felt more themselves while they were in those creative environments. So like even the like presence of like everybody needs to fit into the system, everybody needs to be able to make a profit hurts creativity. 
So I think that if we can step away from that too, that allows that individuality that you're talking about to emerge. Right. And yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm not trying to be like so galaxy brain about it all. No, no, I love, I actually like that you brought the, I'm going to bring it back to that capitalistic idea of like profiting. Right. So the thing is we are told like, whether you think it's taught or not, the truth is from a young age, we are taught how can you contribute to society? That is what you were taught from a young age. And they don't say mm-hmm. it explicitly, but if you look closely, everything we do, like when I was little, my mom taught wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor because that is the most stable career path for someone. Mm-hmm. And that is the most, you know, that is the most, um, one of the more, Uh, respected career choices because they know you will be contributing to society, um, aiding society, and you'll be making stable income, right? And I'm going to jump to my last topic with this because I think this applies to, we've probably both seen this within the school systems, right? Even from a young age, you know, arts Mm -hmm. programs in schools are always under budgeted. And just in general, it's so Mm -hmm. ironic to me. It's so ironic to me that school systems don't invest more in the arts because society consumes media. Social media Mm -hmm. is entertainment and it basically runs off the arts. If you think about it, like MTV, everyone's always watching, you know, the music awards, MTV, and people even watch sports just for the halftime shows, right? Because they're so entertaining. And we're, society really makes consumers is what they're making, right? They care more about consumers Mm -hmm. than trying to really support the entertainer. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as somebody who grew up and went to a very small town high school where the arts were um, chronically underfunded and even being in like a master's program multiple times that is in the arts even like at the graduate level, things are often underfunded. It can be very, very frustrating because again, it gets back to that. Like if we can't make a profit off of your skill, then, you know, we don't see value in it. But that point that you brought up about how like the arts are everywhere is so true. Like, even if you look at your cell phone screen, the reason your cell phone screen looks like that is because of artists. You know, like, of course, there's like coding, there's science, there's math that goes into the creation of technology. But like, if you like the way that your app icons look on your iPhone screen, or if you like the music that's playing in a restaurant when you go out to eat, or you like the way that certain like sculptures look like in a museum or in a sculpture garden, that is all art. And there's a there's this like tendency to ignore who created those things and that what created those things were often people. Um, I, I'm saying often because obviously there's the whole AI conversation that's been emerging in the arts, but like art is everywhere and kind of connected to this topic too with funding. It's not just that schools don't fund the arts is that society doesn't fund the arts in a lot of ways. Like I'm a creative writer and that is, you know, my goal in my life is to be a published author. However, unless you get a big book deal, that's not going to be a sustainable employment or a sustainable income. And so I'm going to a graduate program in order to become more qualified to be a teacher. And while I really enjoy teaching, I find it very rewarding. 
it's not my main passion. My main passion is writing, but I have to find ways to fund myself because my work is not valued unless I can make a profit. And so like the question of funding and being under budgeted, it's definitely centered in school systems. Um, but it's also just much larger too. Yeah, no. And I kind of want to touch on that too, because I'm also a teacher, but I'm on the, well, Connor and I are very similar because we both make things. We're both creators, like I mentioned, but I also make music. Like I'm a music teacher, but of course being just solely a musician is not a sustainable career path to a lot of people. They're like, oh, you can't sustain that lifestyle forever. Oh, you would never be able to sustain yourself just off that. And of course, you know, if you tell people, oh, but I'm a teacher, they respect that because they're like, oh, you're giving back to society. Oh, you have a stable income. You're going to get a pension when you retire. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, they only see the worth in the one avenue, the one direction that you can take and not really the other one because it's not dependable in their eyes, right? Um, And like, it's just sad that it is that way that people see it as, oh, it's not really worth pursuing unless it makes some money. Um, Right. And I'm going to go back into that concept of school systems. And, you know, and in society, really, if you look at it, the first, like when we're thinking of pulling money from somewhere, they always pull it from the arts or like extracurricular activities first, you know, academics and athletics take priority when it comes to these systems. Um, Because, you know, athletics, you hear about all these famous athletes is publicity and it's something to invest money in. And there's always someone that wants to be the next athlete. Right. And, you know, funding the arts sometimes can't offer that publicity that athletics can. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, again, it really just gets down to, to profit. Like, I, I know that we keep circling around this, but like, you know, there are, there are so many scholarships that are built for athletes. There's so many like, you know, deals and um, like, uh, like endorsements that can happen in, in athletics because it is like entertainment, but in a way that is very easily, you know, consumed and profitable upon. So like, you know, everybody can watch like a sport and this is not me putting athletes on blast. I have a lot of friends who are athletes and I like watching sports as well, but like, everybody could like go and sit down at a basketball game. And even if you don't understand all the rules of a basketball game, you're going to be like, okay, I can kind of see who's winning, who's losing things like that. It's very accessible, but like music and writing and painting and other arts are often much more kind of like individual. And so because of that individualness, sometimes people are like, a lot of people aren't going to understand this. So why would we fund it? Which, you know, kind of gets back to the conversation even about individuality that you brought up earlier, too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, th- the reason art is sometimes hard to profit off of is because it's so subjective. Sports appeals to everyone because, like you said, like, I can go to a sports game, and I enjoy watching sports, too, from time to time. I can go to a sports game, and I know nothing about football, but I can tell who's winning and who's losing. And the right. thing is... With music and literature and other art pieces, it really depends on the individual consuming if it, you know, appeals to them or not. 
because they might not understand the concept the artist was going for, or they might not agree with the concept the artist was going for. And, you know, that's what causes, like, if they're not moved by a piece, they're not going to Mm -hmm. support it. Um, But the sad thing is that taking away, not prioritizing arts for like kids or like for people in society it's such a disservice because some people that is where they flourish because not everyone excels at the same things. And, you know, some people aren't good at academics and some people aren't good at sports. And then you have the people who are really skilled in these areas of art, like you with your writing and, you know, some other people with like sculpture making or music. And it's like, but society won't fund that or invest in it because it doesn't profit. Yeah. And like, I, you know, just to kind of like sing Haloy's praises really quick, like Haloy is a very talented musician as well. Like if you have not listened to her music, you should definitely, you know, go and listen to it and like, you know, shameless plug, whatever. But like, I think that if there was a way to reassess what value means in a Mm -hmm. larger societal context, it would give more space for people to be creative it would give more space to like encourage creativity in younger people because instead of constantly thinking like even even from childhood how am i going to make the most money the question mm-hmm. becomes how am i going to do something that i think is important how, what how am i going to decide you know what i want to do with my life that is about what i want to do not about how i'm going to survive or how i'm going to like pay my rent you know, and like, of course, like we all live in a society, we live in the society or whatever, but like creativity should not be tied all the time to profit. Yeah. You know, like everybody sings, everybody dances, everybody has like colored a picture before things like that. And, you know, that doesn't mean that like every single person can be an artist. An artist is a profession. But creativity shouldn't be something that's like always monetized, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And just to circle, kind of touch on what you said and add on to it. um, You know, I meet adults that still, like you said, people should be doing things, even if it's just a hobby, like you can paint or, um, you know, draw or sing on the side or play an instrument or write. It's so great when I hear adults say I never stopped playing my clarinet or I never mm-hmm. stopped reading or like they still do it in their free time. And they're like, you know, but I'm not really doing it because I want money. They're doing it for themselves. And the thing, you know, people always tend to think kids and adults are so different, but they're not because I hear adults say the same thing. I hear my like younger students saying to me, which is when they don't think they're good at something or like you said, they don't think it's going to go any where they quit they'll be like oh but I'm not good at piano so I don't think that I should keep playing or oh I'm not you know they'll pick up an instrument one time and be like oh I didn't get the sound out of it that I wanted so it's probably not going to go anywhere and it's like well yeah because you gave up that's why it's not going to go anywhere yeah yeah for sure like I think just like genuinely supporting people as they're exploring you know, their interests, whether it is creative or even athletics, you know, like I, I was told like, you're not a very good basketball player, Connor, when I was a kid. And so like, I stopped playing basketball, but like, you know, there were times when I enjoyed playing basketball. So 
it gets down to just even the question of support too. Do you feel supported in your interests? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, this could apply to really anything. Like you said, it could apply to sports too. It's like, yeah, we pretty much tell people from, if you think about it from a young age, what they're good at and what they're not good at. And that really, whether we think about it or not, it really impacts if they're going to keep trying to do something because they think in their mind, oh, I'm not good at this. So there's no point in, you know, keeping at it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to kind of end on this closing point of uh, creativity flourishes when we allow people to, you know, freely think for themselves and make decisions, kind of talking on what we've been talking on. Um, you know, it's important to let kids and people in general freely make decisions for themselves while encouraging them to work with others and like, you know, while encouraging people to like pursue a career that yes, does support them is great. You also need to encourage them to try new things and like keep at it, even if they're not good at it, if they enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Like the more we just like allow creativity to be a central part of our daily lives, I think the more fulfilling a lot of our, our of our experiences can be. Um, you know, cooking is even a creative act. And I think that if we embrace the things that we enjoy, it allows that creativity to flourish as well. Yeah. So anyway, those are all of the topic points I had. Connor, did you have anything else to add on? Uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, we talked about we live in a society. We talked about capitalism. We talked about school systems. Um, overthrowing the government. And, no, just kidding. Over, <laughs> you know, possibly overthrowing the government. I think, like, the last thing that I just want to, like, say is don't let anybody tell you that you're not good at something. You know, like, one, who are they to judge? And two, even if somebody said to you, you know, you're not good at something – in your mind, say, I'm not good at something yet. Because mm -hmm. if you really care about something, you you just commit to it. You explore it. You experiment. You see where you can go with it. And, you know, like maybe you're never going to be quote unquote good at it. But being good at something doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. Yeah. And like the thing is, you might never get to, you know, god level or like like you might not be the next taylor swift but you will for sure get better that's the thing like people don't understand yeah. you you're not going to get better by quitting something that's not how yeah. that works you only get better if you keep trying and even if it's you know even if you don't you know become the next master chef or become the next taylor swift or something like that just keep getting better for yourself like that self growth yeah is always awesome. So, all right. Well, thank you, Connor, for sitting in. Again, friends, his his show, his radio show and his podcast is called The New Sincerest. Please go give it a listen. Yes. It's available um, on Spotify. And you can also find me on Instagram at New Sincerest FM for weekly playlists and weekly reviews as well. Yes. Okay. Thank you again for sitting in. And uh, we will see you next week, friends. Take care. Thanks so much, Holoy. Take care, everyone.